um, we help parents fill out the application. We walk them through the entire process. We'll help submit the application. And then we do the follow-up so that the parents, you know, don't miss out on any of those. As I mentioned, if they go 30 days, the letter got lost in the mail, then they start back at square one. And we really help to prevent that. Okay. So for a family that is at the beginning of this process, it would be an appropriate step for them to reach out to you Absolutely. and your organization, uh, Respite Essentials, and you would kind of help them out with yes, maybe next absolutely. steps. We would, we would help them to gather all the documentation they need. We could, if they don't already have um, the adaptive or the IQ, we would direct them, you know, where to go and then help gather all their paperwork to submit to the case management agency. Welcome to the Individual Matters Podcast. I'm Andrew Caton, and today I'm joined in the studio by Sabrina Bassard, founder and owner of Respite Essentials a small family-owned company in Grand Junction, Colorado, that provides support services for caregivers of children who are on the Children's Support Waiver, or CES. The CES is a Colorado Medicaid-funded program that provides services and supports to families that have children with a developmental disability. Whether you're a parent, teacher, clinician, or medical provider, this episode is for you, especially if you know of or work with children who have or might have a developmental disability. Sabrina will talk about what the CES waiver is, criteria for eligibility, how to apply, the eligibility determination process, and what specific supports and services are available through the waiver. As you're about to hear, the application process is long and rather complex. But a key takeaway is that Sabrina and her company, Respite Essentials, not only provides CES waiver-funded services, she also works with families to help them through the application process. So at the end of this episode, if you know a child who might qualify, I would highly recommend reaching out to Sabrina. Okay, let's get started. You're going to be talking with us about some services that are available for kiddos in Western Colorado. Um, it applies to Grand Junction, Montrose, Delta. It's really a statewide program that you're going to be talking about. Yes. Um, so, And this is for individuals who are... What are the kinds of concerns that we're talking about today? So this program is really based on um, children with significant disabilities. Uh, we see kids um, severe and profound all the way up to high-functioning autism who, um, you know, in general, when you're out in the community, you may not recognize as a community member that they have, they have a lot of um, things that they are really trying to overcome while out in the community. And, um, you know, they very well may qualify for this program. So when you talk about um, the sorts of challenges that these kids may be wrestling with in order to qualify for these services, real quick, what, what kinds of challenges are we talking about? What kinds of delays? Or So first of all, we're looking, or I'm not in particular, but the community board, which is Rocky Mountain Health Plans here in Grand Junction, it varies from county to county. Um, but they would be looking for um, two things to start with. They'd be looking for an adaptive score that's below 70. Um, and so the adaptive score would look at how they can um, take care of themselves, uh, their hygiene habits, um, what they're able to do on their own, what they can do out in the community without assistance. Um, it would also look at their um, IQ, which would also be below 70. Now, one or the other or both would need to be below that 70 range. 
Okay, so you're talking about in order to be evaluated to meet criteria for this program, an individual's adaptive functioning or life skills have to be assessed, and there has to be a, a, a low score cutoff that they fall yes. below. And then in addition to that, there has to be a measure of intellectual functioning or IQ. And again, there has to be a, a certain um, criteria below which they fall and those two together would make them eligible for this program? Yes, although they don't necessarily have to. If they're, They could be very high IQ. We actually see people with what we used to term Asperger's. So their IQ is incredibly high, but their adaptive is very low. So they could still qualify based on their adaptive score. Okay, so low adaptive, low life skills, struggling with those areas. And there may be a, some different diagnoses that fall into that exactly. classification. And so that would be the next part is they would need to have a diagnosis. How do families or um, guardians of individuals who may qualify for this program, how, what do they look for? How do they know who to reach out to? Who do they contact about this to get this ball rolling with the waiver? Well, so once you have um, a diagnosis, uh, which generally comes with the adaptive or the IQ test, or both, um, then you would start the process where you would apply for this. Um, Rocky Mountain Health Plans is the case management agency for Grand Junction. Um, in Delta and Montrose, as of today, it is called Community Options. The state is reforming a couple of things, and so that for Delta Montrose area is about to change. Um, but they would reach out to them and fill out the state application. Now we, uh, the company I am representing, Respit Essentials, uh, we are helping people to fill out the application if they need. Um, it is a lengthy process and requires um, quite frequent check-in with the case management agency. And so we, you know, we're helping people to do that. There are other agencies in town that are also working to help families do that, including the ARC, um, Inner Peace, um, Evolve, just to name a few. Okay, that's great. So maybe if we can just back this up to an, a, uh, a parent whose child may qualify, and I know you have some notes because this is a really long, sort of a complicated process. Maybe you can just walk a parent from the beginning down through um, you know, how to qualify, the steps to qualify, those kinds of things. I'll just let you, because you're really an expert on this, maybe I'll just let you just take sure. it away. All right. Well, so as we've, as I've mentioned, you first need to get the diagnosis. You need an IQ and you need an adaptive score. Um, if you meet that criteria, you're going to fill out the general application, um, which gets sent to the case management agency and they look it over. They're going to look it over and they have 30 days to make a determination. Once they make a determination, you get this fun letter in the mail that says you've been approved. However, you're not truly approved. You've passed the first step in the process. Uh, you then will get um, put with an intake specialist at the community, um, the case management agency, excuse me, and um, they will work with you to get IEP notes, um, doctor's diagnosis reports and evaluations, neuropsych evaluations, any anything that you would need to prove your case. Um, for your child. You would gather all of that and um, then they perform what's called a 100.2. In the 100.2, they are looking for um, the needs of your child. They have to be significant enough um, to qualify for the program. 
one of the biggest things they're looking for in the 100.2 is um, that your child needs frequent nighttime interventions. This would be any any time that your child is waking in the night, wetting the bed, um, if they are sleeping with the parent, um, you know, and you, if they aren't sleeping with you, it would be a constant fight that would need to be described in the 100.2. You can't just say, my kid sleeps with me and they sleep great. It would need to be a lot of interventions throughout the night. Um, as part of this waiver, they're also looking for that at any point in the day, your child may need help and assistance, another intervention. Um, and so tech, in all technicalities, they need 24-7 supervision because at any point, there could be issues. Um, because of the low adaptive score, they're not able to function at that age level equivalent as their peers um, and would need more care than um, a child of similar age. That makes sense. Okay, so there, there, there's some challenges here that create a lot of um, uh, stress for caretakers. They may be looking at getting some supports around this. What you're talking about is this waiver that they will qualify for funding um, in order to receive these supports. Is this a, this is funding through Colorado, through the state of Colorado, right? Actually through Medicaid. So once you get through the 100.2, um, it gets sent on to um, a group within the case management agency who will decide whether or not the child fully qualifies. Once you're through that portion, you um, get sent to um, the financial portion, which goes through DHS. Now, you can begin some of that process prior to totally being accepted into the CES waiver. Um, the first portion of it is applying for Social Security disability for your child. Um, whether or not you're approved for Social Security disability does not impact whether or not you will get um, the CES waiver, but what it does do is if you qualify, it fast tracks your process through DHS, through the financial. Um, if you do not qualify for Social Security disability, then you fill out what is called an ARG, which they send out to check financial qualification of the child. The qualification for this program is based off of the child's income. So if the child has zero income, they should in turn qualify. Um, it should be noted, and oftentimes is forgotten to be told to parents, if a child has a college savings account, that goes against them. That is income. Even though they can't access it until they're 18, it is counted as their income. If they have a um, life insurance policy in their name, anything like that, it can all be counted as their income. So parents, you know, sometimes go through this long process and then get to the ARG and get denied because they have, you know, a $2,000 um, college funds set up for their kid and they're missing out on, you know, huge amount of money through this program for the $2,000 college savings. Gotcha. So what do they do at that point? If they're, if they don't qualify, how does that work? So if they hit, get to that point and they don't qualify, um, short of trying to get rid of that college savings account, um, they get sent back to the beginning, they cannot qualify if their child has more than that amount of money. Um, the cutoff is $2,000 a month. 
Um, so if they have anything worth $2,000 a month, they won't qualify. Okay. So these are supports available for children who are struggling, have delays, deficits based on these criteria we discussed. There's also an income-based criterion. Yes. Okay. Okay. What else? What else do we need to know? So once they've completed the ARG, uh, you know, it gets passed back to DHS. There are a few more forms that they ask parents to fill out depending on the individual circumstances of each family. Um, and once you are approved through um, DHS and the financial system, then your child is accepted into the CES waiver. Um, with that, they automatically get Medicaid services, which help and support with all medical services. Um, they also then get access to these non-medical services, which are the CES waiver. Okay. So this is a lot of information, kind of complicated steps. I'm really glad you can lay all this out. What is the timeline for this? How do people work through this? So the expectation is this will take between six and 12 months to accomplish. Um, depending on each individual circumstances and um, how quickly parents are able to return stuff. Most communication is done snail mail from both the case management agency and DHS um, and Social Security Disability. So constantly contacting by phone these people would definitely speed along the process um, more than once. Things have gotten lost in the mail for clients that we're working with. Um, so really keeping in constant communication is vital. If at any point um, there is more than a month lag, the process starts back at square one. So parents definitely have to stay diligent, which is why I always recommend working with the ARC or one of the um, agencies that I talked about before, Inner Peace, Respite Essentials, Evolve work with them to keep up on staying in contact with these. Um, That's a great agents. point. And I was going to segue into what, what scaffolding is there for parents who are working through this application process? You had highlighted those different organizations that will work with parents. Is there anyone who connects parents with those organizations or do parents need to be aware that they exist and reach out and be proactive to getting those that help? Yep. So parents definitely have to work to be proactive. Um, you know, the, the community board really does work to the case management agency really works to, um, do their best to keep that line of communication open, but they have a lot going on. Um, so parents need to definitely reach out, um, and find those advocates to help them through the process. Okay. You talked about some of the services that this waiver will qualify children to receive, some non-medical services. Can you yep. talk a little bit about what does a waiver set up for kids who, who qualify? Yeah. Well, first, let's talk about just um, when receiving Medicaid, you know, there's a lot of benefits that go with that, one of which is going to be ABA therapy, which is um, extensively used by most of our clients. Um, they, whether it be through Evolve or Legacy Behavioral Services um, or some of the others out there, they definitely 
benefit from having this ABA service, which Medicaid then pays for. Great. And that's ABA therapy. That's adaptive behavioral. behavioral. Okay. Yes. And so kiddos of all different uh, may access or need those or benefit from those services for lots of different reasons. They work with kids that have autism spectrum disorder um, and other low adaptive functioning related challenges. Yes. Yes. Um, and yeah, really anything with the adaptive behavior they can, they can work with. Um, you don't necessarily have to have autism in order to qualify for that. Um, you know, speech and OT services outside of the school district are, you know, another medical benefit that you'd get with Medicaid. But let's talk about those non-medical services. There is a very long list. Um, unfortunately, Mesa County doesn't necessarily have available everything um, that you might get in a bigger city. But we do have some amazing services. Uh, one of those being respite care. Respite care is essentially getting a babysitter to come to your house. It is meant to give parents a break. Um, so when we talk about just the extensive um, load that these parents have on them, being able to get a break is important just whether you go grocery shopping or you just take some time to yourself. Um, we also do um, another service is Community Connector. Community Connector um, is essentially a coach, a life coach. Uh, we take kids out into the community and um, work with them on those life skills, work with them on um, being nice to other kids, following directions, um, you know, whatever it may be. Um, if the child's not potty trained, maybe we coach them on, oh, it's time, here's some positive reinforcement to go. Or um, we have a lot of incidents with hitting, so we're right there to say, well, you know, let's, let's try a different method. Um, we work with kids on when they're frustrated, what they could say instead. So all these things, depending on what the child needs, um, as kids get older, it can even be things like money management. We give them a small budget, and they budget what they're going to do with their day. We help them um, make a menu that maybe they would like to you know, cook or whatever, and we help them go out and pick the groceries at the store for that particular item. Um, just to name a couple of the examples of the Community Connector. There's also homemaker services. This would be somebody comes into your house and helps clean the child's room, do laundry, um, maintain dishes, that kind of stuff, um, really to help support the child. With this, they can also act as a coach where they coach the child on, let's talk about how to organize your toys, where they should go, what they should do. Um, another non-medical benefit would be massage therapy. And then, um, you know, recently through um, the CES waiver, they approved um, opportunities for there to be parent providers. So for parents to opt in to provide some of these services that, you know, maybe they already are doing, um, but to get somewhat of an income. These parents, because of the amount of time required to supervise and, and, and take care of their kids, might not be able to work. And so this is a way for them to be a parent and to take care of their child's needs and get paid for it. Yes. Okay. So all of these services and resources may be available 
to a child who qualifies through this waiver. ABA, speech language, respite care, community connector, homemaker services, massage therapy, and then the parent provider option as well. Yes. Is this a good time to jump into what you do and what your organization does? Can you share a little bit about that? Yep. So we're Respite Essentials. And so we really work closely with families um, on the CES waiver. We support them in whatever way we can. Um, But we definitely provide, you know, all the services that I just talked to you about. We recently are um, almost through the process of getting um, massage therapy. Um, But all the rest of the services we provide. Wow. I was just going to ask you if you provide all those services. Okay, that's great. And in addition to providing those services, do you work with families who are trying to get on the waiver or do you just help connect them with the, walk them through the process or get them connected with the, the, the various people and organizations in that process that you described earlier? No, we definitely help. Um, we help parents fill out the application. We walk them through the entire process. We'll help submit the application and then we do the follow-up so that the parents, you know, don't miss out on any of those. As I mentioned, if they go 30 days, the letter got lost in the mail, then they stop back at square one. And we really help to prevent that. So for a family that's in Grand Junction and the surrounding area in the Grand Valley or mostly in Grand Junction? Yep, so we do all of the Grand Valley and um, we provide services in Delta Montrose. Okay, so for a family that is at the beginning of this process, it would be an appropriate step for them to reach out to you Absolutely. And your organization, uh, Respite Essentials, and you would kind of help them out with yes, maybe next absolutely. steps. We would, we would help them to gather all the documentation they need. We could, if they don't already have um, the adaptive or the IQ, we would direct them, you know, where to go and then help gather all their paperwork to submit to the case management agency. I'll put all the contact information in the show notes, but do you want to, what's the best way for families to get, get a hold of you guys? Yep. So the best way to get a hold of us is, um, calling our direct line. It's 970-822-9693. And how long does this waiver last? Do families have to go through a reapplication process? Is it yearly? Does it continue until they're adults? How does that work? Yeah, so that's such a great question. So every year the the child has to reapply. But I want to talk more about that. Um, For children who even as adults, are going to need further assistance. This is so important, and I want to tell you why. Children who are on the CES waiver automatically get a spot on the DD waiver, which is a support as an adult, um, depending on the significance, obviously, of the child. Um, If, however, a child is not on the CES waiver, when they turn 18, there is a 15 to 20-year wait to get on the DD waiver. So families who think that they are going to need lifelong support for their child, getting on it before they turn 18 is imperative um, because there are other waivers that you can qualify as an adult, but if it is extensive enough that you need the DD waiver, 15 to 20 years is a long time to wait. That is a really big point. So... Children who may meet criteria for eligibility for this waiver, don't wait to apply. Do that right away because if, in fact, they need these services and then they become an adult, 
it's going to be a long time potentially before they can get a similar level of support. Absolutely. You know, and we end up talking with a lot of families who are, you know, they've waited, they've kind of dealt with things, and they just keep saying, well, we thought that it'd get better. We thought that it'd get better. Um, you know, and, and one point I really want to make to families is that as kids get older, it doesn't generally get easier. Uh, when we hit puberty, you know, things get harder. And um, so the sooner that they can apply, the better. There's also a great question of why didn't you apply before? Um, and so, you know, as the case management agency, I think that's something that they kind of look at. Your, your child's 12 and you've never asked for help before. What's changed? And it's not necessarily that things have changed, but that just around 12, as a parent, it becomes really, really hard. Um, but if we can get early intervention, how imperative that is to the kids, um, you know, then we don't end up at 12 just in dire straits. So everybody needs to know about this potentially. Um, is this the, the availability of this waiver? Do you find that this is common knowledge that people are aware of its existence and how to apply, or does this kind of get lost in the shuffle of? I'm not really sure. I do think that there's some, you know, understanding that maybe everybody would just know about this. I'm not sure how they just know about this. Um, I really think that um, our school districts, our pediatricians, all definitely need to know about it and have the information on hand to guide parents, whether it be to get them to a agency that can help support them through the process or they themselves take on these are the steps let's get started um, you know for adults we have places that they can go to help them fill out the applications but for children there just isn't the center for independence is really more for adults it's not for the the children well it's great to know that organizations like respite essentials are available to not only provide these waiver services, but to work with families who are new to this process, who are right at the beginning and need some a little bit of nurturing and some support around getting on the waiver. So that's it's so great that you're able to share that with us today. Is there anything else that you want to touch on? No, I think that covers it. We could talk about a lot. I know you're an expert on this, so maybe we'll get you back at some point if you want to provide some more information or sure. follow up or whatever. But thank you very much for being here. And um, this is going to really help a lot of families, I think. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. This has been great. If you know a child who might qualify for the CES waiver, Sabrina and her team at Respite Essentials can help. They not only provide the CES waiver-funded services, they also help families who are at step one to move through the application process. You can reach her at 970-822-9693 or visit the Respite Essentials website for more information and resources. That's it from us today. As always, you can find more information as well as resources on our website, individualmatters.org. We hope you'll join us at the next podcast where we'll continue to explore topics around successful living, learning and education, and child development, and share ways to help you live a more positive and fulfilling life. The preceding information is not intended to provide or serve as medical, clinical, or educational advice. Individual Matters is not responsible for the accuracy of guest statements. All information should be validated independently. Please consult with your doctor, mental health provider, attorney, 
or other appropriate professionals before making any personal decisions for yourself or those in your care.